You're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have in the studio today? Crazy Ed. And what did we just hear? And who are you? First off, who are you? Well, I'm just a crazy record collector. Really, though, who are you? Well, I, uh, I used to be Eddie J. You donated and the snake. You donated the snake. The who? The snake, yes. Are we still using the snake? The snake for Thunderbird Radio Hail. Your Vancouver record collector, Eddie J. Lasco, Crazy Ed. <sighs> and today, what did we just hear in honor of Black History Month? That's what the show is all about. We heard uh, the first black singing star, 
And actually, she was a singing star before the beginning because she was uh, she had her heyday before they started recording black music. What year was that from? Who did we hear? And was it really scratchy? Well, I don't know. If you'd have been listening to an original 78, it might have been a whole lot scratchier than that, but that was a reproduction 45, but it was still very old. It probably goes back to the 50s, early 60s, but uh, not great shape. That was Ma Rainey and Oh Papa Blues, and that, that cut was probably um, circa 1923, something like that. So in honor of Black History Month, from 1920 till when, what years are we covering? Well, that depends on Nardware. By the way, that's a good question. Now, what does Nardware mean? Does that come from somewhere? Is that an acronym? Where, what is it Nardware anyway? It is a dumb, stupid name like Sting or Sinbad or Crazy Ed. Oh, my. I I think that's wicked then. What are we going to hear? 1920 onwards? Well, we're going to hear actually the first uh, singing star, uh, black singing star that uh, from from the time they made records. And that was uh, the first real big singing star was Bessie Smith. And Bessie started about 1919, and um, we got one of hers uh, lined up for you right now. It's called Them's Graveyard Words, uh, and bef- she wrote it herself. Uh, before I get into Bessie Smith, more girls, more girls, Black History Month. How many girls are there available for research purposes? Uh, because we're beginning the show with girls. Man, I put this show together at the last minute. I was going crazy yesterday and the day before. I picked the last record at 120. I had no time to count them. You count them. So here we go. Black History Month. We began with? That was Ma Rainey. And now we're going to have Miss Bessie. Bessie Smith, uh, who was her protege. With special guest DJ. Crazy. Okay, watch your volume. Yep. This is real low. Traveler's going where he never come back no more. 
gentle folk of Newport, or maybe I should say hats and caps, I want you to lend an ear because, uh, well, I want you to hear some really shimmering charms and claps. For these cozy virtuosi, just about the greatest in the trade, are fixing to show you now precisely how, or oh, approximately, Jazz music is made Well, you take some skins Jazz begins And you take a bass Man, now we're getting someplace Take a box One that rocks Take a blue horn New Orleans bar You take a stick with a lick. Take a bone. Oh, hold the phone. Take a spot, cool and hot. Now you have jazz, 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 jazz. A little dancer. 
that's positively therapeutic. Now you have jazz, 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 Messrs. Hall and Young. That's Ed Hall. And Trummy Young. Now you has Messrs. Kyle and Shaw. That's Billy Kyle. Now you has Mr. Barrett Deems I listen to, well, you know who You, you want to grab a little of what's left here? Yeah, Daddy, yeah. Here we go. If you sail. I sailing, sailing. Over the sea. Oh, when you wait for me. Take my tip. They're all molto hip in Italy. Oh, well, I'll reduce As for friends. Oh, I know you're very big there. Yes, believe it or not. I do believe. I do indeed. The Frenchmen's all prefer what they call lay-chess high. Hold me down. Take a plane. Oh, Baba Dussat. Go to Siam In Bangkok today Round the clock Oh, well, they all like to jam Indians are The Amazon Beat one bar And all of them are Welcome, From the equator Up to the pole Everybody winging, everybody singing that rock, 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 rock and roll from the east to the west, from the coast to the coast. Jazz is kings, jazz is the thing the folks dig. That's jazz. And you're listening to Black History Month with guest DJ. DJ! And Bing Crosby? Yeah, Bing Crosby. You know, everybody remembers Bing when he was an Black old Black History Month with man. Bing Crosby. And Satchmo, Pops, Louis Armstrong. And that's what we heard, right? Yeah, it's ever so cool. And you and I were debating from Spokane or from Tacoma. Tacoma. Everybody was from Tacoma. Nobody came from Seattle. Everybody came from Tacoma. No, Spokane. Bing Crosby, born in Spokane. I don't know about that. So we heard some Bing Crosby during Black History Month? Well, that was because we we wanted to focus on Louis Armstrong, and that was Louis and his All-Stars. A very similar lineup had played Vancouver. Uh, a few years earlier but um, going back a little bit we played uh, Blind Lemon Jefferson Gone Dead on You Blues uh, from- right before actually the Bing Crosby did we play 
Well, I was getting there. I was getting there because that was King Oliver. And King Oliver was the the first real huge jazz band out of New Orleans. And, of course, uh, the, the star alumni out of that band was Louis Armstrong. But, you know, when King Oliver got to Chicago, the critics kind of put him down because uh, they were saying, oh, some of those notes, they, they sound kind of sour. But what was going on, it wasn't discovered for, for a while, was that they were playing very cheap instruments because these guys were not terribly rich. So, um, the, you know, they say it's a poorer craftsman that blames his tools, but th- this was one time it was really true. And before that, we heard... Well, that was Blind Lemon Jefferson, uh, Gone Dead on You Blues, and all, all of the first uh, four cuts were circa 23. Um, but for, for Bing Crosby and Louis Armstrong, we jumped up to 47. And they were really... Oh, 57, sc- excuse me. And they were really scratchy as well, like right off the 78. These are oh, boots, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, these are... Like, repos- we were coming through loud and clear, but thank you, Sarah, music director of CITR Radio. She ran in here to tell us that they were kind of scratchy, the records, and kind of low. But that's the way that they are from well, 78 straight? Well, well uh, of course, we're not playing 78s. We're playing 45s. But um, the Blind Lemon Jefferson cut in particularly... Uh, that was taken directly off a 78 without any benefit of filters. So it was just like we were listening to an old scratchy 78 from 1923. So we heard Bing Crosby. Now, you mentioned as well, oh, that's coming up. We're going to be saving him for coming up. So is that pretty much all we heard right in there? We began with some Bessie Smith, right? That's right. Those are... Them's graveyard words were a tune that she wrote herself. I was curious, Ed, this is for Black History Month, but this particular release, Buddy Holly, and I have a picture of it because I actually own it right here, the Buddy Holly, on coral. What can you say about a Buddy Holly on coral? Peggy Sue every day. Well, this is a long way from Black History Month. Um, um, let, let me have a look at this just to remind myself. Okay. Um, actually, you know what? Uh, it's it's funny. I'm looking at the, the writer's credits on this, and it credits Jerry Allison, who was uh, Buddy's drummer, and Norman Petty, who was uh, Buddy's manager. And it doesn't say anything about Buddy, and Buddy wrote the thing. Uh, Jerry Allison had a, a, had his girlfriend at the time was Peggy Sue. The, the original title was Cindy Lou, and um, Buddy had broken up with Cindy Lou, but he was still say, uh, singing the song as Cindy Lou, and uh, Jerry convinced him to to, to change the name uh, or uh, the title of the tune to to Peggy Sue. But it's interesting that he's not credited on there. Is he credited on other versions? No. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, what had happened was Norman convinced uh, Buddy, uh, who was very naive at the time, that uh, the the song would sell better with Norman's name on it. Okay. And there we have Jerry Allison and Norman Petty, a 12, a 10 inch shellac. Do you have this? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> What's this got to do with Black History Month? I just thought I, I would throw know. it out there. I just thought I would throw it out there. <laughs> Boy, I think that one would splat. But anyway, go ahead. And right now we have, what do we have coming up? Um, 
Well, we got a uh, one of the first uh, genius guitar players. Actually, the very first uh, genius guitar player of the blues uh, is somebody we're omitting, and that was Charlie Patton. He was the very first. Um, but uh, Lonnie Johnson came along uh, in in short order, and uh, he backed uh, Bessie Smith on some of her early tunes. But Lonnie Johnson uh, becomes uh, uh, well. One one of a few uh, genius guitar players to to, to fall in uh, Charlie Patton's wake. Uh, Lonnie had a, a long career, and we're going to hear his theme song uh, from 1948, a, a tune called Tomorrow Night, which has been covered by an awful lot of people, from Big Joe Turner to Laverne Baker. On the King record label. That's right. We're hearing the original version. Are we hearing Canadian versions? Are there Canadian versions? Of this? Of any songs? Um, actually, actually, actually uh, Tomorrow Night was uh, issued in 1948 on a Canadian label called the Maple Leaf label. But this is on King. Uh, yes, because uh, this is a 45. And here we go with Black History Month with special guest DJ. Crazy. Tender. Your heart is beating fast, 
everything you say tonight. Thank <laughs> you. 
every day Every day I have the blues Well, you see me worry, baby Because it's you I hate to lose Nobody loves me Nobody seems to care Nobody loves me Nobody seems to care Speaking of bad luck and trouble Well, you know I've had my share I'm gonna back my third game You're listening to CITR Radio, still the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ, Pretty J, and Black 
History Month amongst me and Ed arguing over song speeds. (laughs) (laughs) Is it 33? 33! 45! I told you it was 45. I was trying to tell you it was playing at 33. And that there was a guy with amazing pipes. Yeah, that was Joe Williams. Um, that, that was a huge hit, by the way. That from June '55, that was uh, went to number two on the R&B charts and was on a charted record for 16 weeks. So uh, that was huge. Are you playing a lot of these tunes at your house, like in your underwear, dancing around? <laughs> I didn't have a chance to play any of these. Uh, my last uh, couple of days have been very hectic. But generally, do you listen to a lot of them? Um, you know what? Uh, in the last six months, I listened to my old co- collection, uh, co- the the records that I had amassed before 1978. I, p- I played them all. And again, these are all 45s, although they might have been from 78s. Well, there, w- there was that one record that was definitely from, from 78s, lifted right directly from a 78. But let's not talk about that because that's... In the past, but uh, we just played some uh, Black Royalty there, and uh, last heard was Count Basie. And you know something? I figured this out myself. I've never read it in a book or anything, but in 1935, Mr. Rhythm, Count Basie hired Mr. Blues, Jimmy Rushing, and that was Rhythm and Blues. And Rhythm and Blues came about because uh, the, the jazz people at the time were starting to wing out at uh at uh live performances and the dancers hated it they sat down they didn't come there to to listen to these uh jazz musicians get weirded out they came to dance and when they had to sit down they were peed so uh rhythm and blues uh started as a reaction to that and was a dance music right from the beginning what's a blues flip a blues flip well, I guess that's the other side of a blues record. <laughs> what the devil are you reading there? <laughs> Here are very many rockabilly records featuring blues flips. Oh, oh my God. Let's... Yes, okay. Well, in, uh, in the 50s, uh, there was de- uh, definite uh, consciousness, awareness amongst uh, hipsters. Now, I credit uh, probably Elvis Presley for this because Elvis was in the blues and he recorded many blues records. And so uh, it, there, there was this consciousness among, amongst rockbilly artists that, to uh, awareness of the blues. And, uh, and every, it seemed like for a while there, every second record I was getting, every second rockabilly record, that is, had a blues flip. What is rockabilly, though? What is rockabilly? Rockabilly is defined as a kind of a music that has elements of hillbilly and elements of rock and roll in it. And uh, particularly in the beginning, um, the slap bass was uh, um, a type of uh, bass playing that came from black music. So uh, with slap bass, uh, with an otherwise hillbilly uh, combo, that uh, was was the black into the white, and that became rockabilly. Does rockabilly have drums? Well, uh, in the beginning, uh, the guy that started it was um, uh, Bill Haley. Uh, Bill Haley did not have a drummer. Now, now drums cons- is considered to be an instrument that comes from rhythm and blues. 
and uh, it's just uh, it's just more black into that mix. So does it does rockabilly have it? Yes, of course. Ray Sharp, Linda Lou, is that rockabilly, or it, is that an up-tempo teenage blues? It's actually all three. Baboom. And today we're featuring the history of black music with guest DJ. Eddie J. So what did we just hear? We just heard. Well, before we, we, we heard the Count Basie with uh, Joe, Joe Williams every day. That was the huge hit from 55. Before that, we had uh, more black royalty. We had Duke Ellington with his huge tune, Satin Doll, my personal favorite. Uh, that was uh, cut uh, in about 52 for, for the uh, capital people. Before that, we had uh, another personal favorite, a guy that started his career in the late 20s with Blind Boy Fuller. That, uh, that was uh, Sonny Terry. When Blind Boy Fuller died, he t- teamed up with Brownie McGee. Brownie McGee started his career as uh, being known as Blind, Blind Boy Fuller number 2. And uh, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee played Vancouver many times, and I saw them many times. And the very first time I saw them was a stone's throw from where we're sitting right now. And it was the best gig I ever saw because... uh, Really? They raised the roof. I could not believe it. I had been to Brock Halls uh, several times and seen several gigs, and so somebody told me, hey, yeah, there's some blues guys playing over there. You'll probably really like it. So I strolled over, and by the time I got there, I could not believe it. The place was jam-packed, and I went up to the balcony, and there were three, four deep in the balcony. And, uh, yeah, that the whole place was just going crazy. The crowd was uh, going crazy, and they got the, the uh, musicians going crazy. Uh, Brownie liked to do his uh, introductions, and uh, but the old man, Sonny Terry himself, was whooping it up, and uh, he wouldn't let uh, Brownie do his intros. He, he was like, come on, let's go. And the crowd was just going nuts. It was a fabulous gig. We heard Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Sonny Terry, Lonnie Johnson began the set. And now we're going to begin with Robert Johnson. No mention of the Rolling Stones. Well, uh, the Rolling Stones covered one of his tunes, but um, we're going to play I Believe I'll Dust My Broom. And, you know, for, for many years, I assumed that Robert uh, Johnson had been ripped off by... Um, Elmer James, but uh, I've just uh, recently found out that uh, Elmo uh, um, James uh, was <clears throat> had had met Robert Johnson as uh, as a teenager. So now I'm not sure who ripped off who. So here we go with Robert Johnson and well, this is the original from 1935. I believe I'll dust my broom with special guest DJ Crazy.
city town, I know. If I can't find in West Elma, she must be in East Monroe, I know.
Till my doorbell rang Looking for my baby I didn't see not a dog on thing Well, when I was trouble I was all good night Well, honey, I could never be satisfied And I just couldn't keep up Well, I know my little babe She gonna jump and shout That old train delayed me, Lord, and I come walking out. I be in trouble, I be all ruined by. Well, honey, ain't no way to work for me to be satisfied, and I just can't keep on dying. Across the alley from the Alamo lived a pinto and an Navajo who sang a sort of Indian Idaho to the people passing by. The Pinto spent his time a swishing flies and the Navajo watched the lazy skies and very rarely did they ever rest their eyes on the people passing by. One day they went a-walking along the railroad track they were swishing, not a-looking, they never came back. Oh, across the alley from the Alamo, when the summer sun decides to settle low, a fly sings an Indian hearty-ho to the people passing by. Across the alley from the Alamo lived a pinto, a pony, and a Navajo who used to bake frioles in cornmeal dough for the people passing by. They thought that they would make some easy bucks by washing their frioles in does and lux. A pair of very conscientious clucks to the people passing by. Then they took this cheap vacation. The shoes were polished bright. No, they never heard the whistle. Doot, doot. They're clear out of sight. Oh, across the alley from the Alamo, when the starlight beams its tender glow, the beans go to sleep and then there ain't no dough for the people passing by. One day they went a-walking along the railroad track. They were swishing out a-looking, toot-toot. They never came back across the alley from the Alamo When the summer sun decides to settle low A fly sings an Indian hidey-ho To the people passing by Across the alley from the Alamo Oh, slip me a slug from the wonderful mug. 
listening to CITR FM 102 Cable 102 actually no longer cable Vancouver British Columbia Canada and Denard War the Human Serviette Radio Show with special guest DJ Crazy and we just heard right there what did we hear Ed the Mills Brothers oh, that was the ink spot oh the ink spot okay <laughs> what did you say? That we're no longer on cable? We're no longer on cable 102. Why? I, I think it has something to do with one of the cable giants. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. Well, that was the Ink Spots from 1946, Jive a Jive. Uh, Manhattan Transfer covered that at one time. Um, now, most of the uh, Ink Spots tunes were... Um, done um, by the the lead voice of bill kenny who died in vancouver bc canada they are still touring uh you know what the 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 name the ink spots was never properly copyrighted so anybody can be the ink spots including you and me so was he performing when he died was he performing? No, he quit the the ink spots in about uh, about fifty five, I think, or something like that. And uh, I'm not sure when when he died. I think it was in the seventies. Uh, that was all. This is all subject to research, uh, which I wasn't able to do any of for in preparation for. But this still, show. you have brought all these amazing records. This is all the top up, off the top of my head from 1920 on Black History Month. He died in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. 
He was a resident here, and he loved his time here. That was the Ink Spots with Java Jive, and I got to mention, KUL versus KJR. Well, before we get into that, I, I have to say that uh, the Ink Spots started off in life as a jive group, that, which meant they were doing up-tempo songs. And um, it, it, th- then they did a few ballads, and of course they, they caught on and it became a ballad group, um, such as what we just heard there. But um, so that I'm doing a little bit of, I have to get that in, that they were a jive group, which is, uh, you know, just about a forgotten genre. So if he left in 1954 or 55, does that mean you did not like the Ink Spots since 1955? No, I, no, I have. Uh, actually, there were many groups that called themselves the Ink Spots, and I like some of their stuff. I have uh, actually um, um, Harvey Fuqua's older brother, Charlie, was in uh, an early version uh, of the Ink Spots that was had nothing to do with uh, the um, quote-unquote real Ink Spots, uh, one, of, one of the first uh, bands. For a while there, there was like three or four bands all named the Ink Spots because, uh, you know, anybody could use it, that name. And I mentioned the Java Jive, or the song is called Java Jive, which refers to Tacoma, which brings up K-L-O-R, K-L-O-L versus K-J-R. All right. All knowledgeable Canadians listen to U.S. radio. But say what? All knowledgeable Canadians listen to U.S. radio. Yeah, all the, you know, in a certain generation, um, that's right. Um, you know, as, as I went along, uh, the guys that were the hipsters, they'd all listen to U.S. radio. And the Java Jive was in Tacoma, Washington. That was? Yes, it was. And it still is. And you were listening to a Black History (laughs) Month with Crazy Ed. You're driving me nuts already. The venue known as the Java Jive. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a venue known as the Java Jive? Yep, and and still is. In Tacoma? Yes. Wow. And still is. Wow. The Jive does lots of rock and roll there. All right. You, you just nardwarded me. And before that, we had, we end with the Ink Spots. And before that, we had? The Mills Brothers, who were originally known as Four Boys and a Guitar. It was four brothers. And one of the brothers died in a tragic accident. And the other brother said, well, that's it. We give up our music career. We cannot go on. And so their father said, hold that, boys. I'll take the guy's spot. And so there was the three brothers and their father. And that's why when you see a picture of them, you got uh, three guys that look about the same age and one guy that looks significantly older, and that's Pops. And right before that, we had a song from 1948, but from a guy that started recording in 1935? 1939, he did his first for the Library of Congress. That was Muddy Waters. Uh, Muddy War, Muddy, let's see, what is it? What's his real name? Uh, Morganfield. Um, I just can't remember his first name just off the top of my head here. Somebody Morganfield. Can you remember his first name, Nardward? Uh, we heard, I can't be satisfied, though. Muddy Waters. I can't be satisfied. Cut for the Aristocrat label, which was um, uh, owned by the Chess Brothers and predates uh, the Chess label. 
Um, they uh, started their first label and uh, as their aristocrat label and then later changed it to Chess. From 1948, and before that, from 1935? Yes, the original, I believe, I'll dust my broom. Robert Johnson. I've been looking for my lover, and she must be in Ethiopia somewhere. That was 1935, and you were recently saying about Bob Dylan? Yeah, apparently Bob Dylan has come forward and said he's made his deal with the devil. Just like Robert Johnson went down to the crossroads and they made that famous movie about him making the deal with the devil. And, of course, Robert Johnson was a lousy stinker of a guitar player, and he disappeared for about nine months. And, of course, everybody thinks that actually what he did was uh, he woodshedded someplace and played guitar for night and day for for uh, nine months and when he came out he was uh, a guitar slinger he was pretty good and then he had all these neat songs but yes uh, recently uh, apparently Bob Dylan has uh, come forward and said that he's made a deal with the devil so it's him and Robert Johnson and of course Keith, Keith Richards who is uh, a known Satanist and how about KISS while we're at it uh, what, what does KISS stand for? <laughs> I don't know what does it stand for? Well, on the street, they say KISS stands for Kids in Satan's Service. Bah, boom. And you love, you love Bob Dylan. I in love fact, Bob Dylan. In fact, I remember like playing a Bob Dylan tune. I think it was Maggie's Farm. And you were mad that I faded it out early. Really? Yeah, you were mad. Like, you would not <laughs> come on. You were like, bring that back up. Bring that back up. I'm like, Ed, we're running out of time. You were mad that I faded down a Bob Dylan. So this is big news for you. I can't believe that you would remember something like that. I sure don't. And, uh, yeah, at the, I, I was uh, I was amazed. It curled the back of um, my hair. So that's right on my chinny-chin-chin on the back of my neck. I couldn't believe it. Just about fell out of bed. Black History Month with Crazy Ed Lasco continues with more girls. Well, more girls. That's right. We've got a real classic gal now. This is uh, Billie Holiday, when a, when a Woman Loves a Man. This goes back to 1938. Now, this is 33, Nardware. Don't be playing 45. And, and, and kick the volume because it'll be low in the mix. And this is 1933? 1938. 1938. Billy Holiday, Black History Month, with special guest DJ, Eddie J. <laughs> Shut your one side. 
Jeez. 
with my baby. She got great big feet. She long, lean, and lank, and ain't had nothing to eat. But she's my baby, and I love her just the same. Crazy about that woman, cause Caledonia is her name. Caledonia! Caledonia! What make your big head so hard? Ma, I love you. Love you just the same. I'll always love you, baby, cause Caledonia is your name. Caledonia was putting down. So I'm going down to Caledonia's house and ask her just one more time. Caledonia! Caledonia! What makes your big head so hard? You're still listening to the history of black music for Black History Month, brought to you by guest DJ Crazy. And we just heard from what year? That was Louis Jordan, his great big hit record from 1945. Caledonia, and I was mad initially that you played that, but you were saying, "Well, that was the the original." And I was mad. Well, you would you would like. Why are we playing this? Okay. Everybody knows this. And I said, everybody doesn't know the original. You know, I, I used to know uh, this this fellow that had his own band, and he used to do that song on stage. And he would uh, introduce it as a song done by Muddy Waters. And I said, why do you keep saying Muddy Waters for that? That's a uh, Louis Jordan song. And um, after a while, he, he said... Uh, Oh, here's is a song by Muddy Waters, and Louis Jordan did it too. <laughs> now that was uh, Louis r- wrote that song, and actually, there's a story behind that. Um, Louis was recording uh, or writing songs for for um, uh, a company that um, what, what, what you know that was um, publishing a publishing company, and he was getting two cents a record. Um, for every every record sale. So this other publishing company came along and said, Louie, if you sign with us, we'll give you three and a half cents. And Louie said, oh my goodness, I would do that, except I've signed this exclusive contract with this other company. So they said, oh, well, that's all right. Um, Why don't you uh, put the song title into your wife's name? And uh, we'll pay you three and a half cents. And and he did that with Caledonia. But you know what happened? What, Eddie Lasco? They got divorced. And, of course, Fleecy Moore is, has her name on the, as the writer of that song. And she gets all the money. 
You were saying now we're entering the 1940s or 1950s? Well, Louis Jordan was the biggest R&B star of the 1940s. Actually, there's a, I had him following Lionel Hampton, and there's a, a, a story. Lionel Hampton, actually, we played his airmail special. That was the, the third version of airmail special, cut for Clef Records in 52. Um, but believe it or not, um, uh, this is this is absolutely true. It was first a hit in 1940 for RCA and went to number one. And then it was recut for somebody else. I'm trying to remember who. And I'm thinking maybe Mercury, but I'm not sure. But it was a hit all over again in 1952 in a, uh, a second version. And it also went to number one. So it was it was. Uh, it, it was number one hit record twice. Anyway, when 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 uh, airmail special was was just huge, um, Lionel was doing a, a big show, and uh, the people were going nuts. The crowd was going nuts. He he did six encores. They wouldn't let him go off stage. And the next artist was sitting there fiddling off stage, and that was Louis Armstrong. And he thought, how how the hell am I gonna follow this? So finally, finally, the crowd lets uh, Lionel Hampton off stage, and Louis Jordan comes on with a uh, with a bass and a guitar, just a three piece, and he does a gut bucket blues, and he wins the crowd over instantly. He had him eating out of his own uh, eating out of his hand, and he just takes off from there. Where was this? I think that was a New York gig. So we heard from the back end. We heard Caledonia. Yeah, we heard Caledonia Airmail Special before that. Um, what's going to say about Airmail Special that we heard before Caledonia? Amazing drum solo. In Airmail Special, that's right. Yes, we had, uh, well, these guys are crackjack musicians. And, of course, Lionel himself was the vibest on that cut. Before that, we had Ella Fitzgerald, who was a protege of uh, Chick Webb. Chick Webb was a drummer as well, and uh, he would he was um, he had suffered from I think polio. He had um, he had uh, he was kind of uh, had a crippling disease, but uh, um, he was a fabulous drummer, and uh, of course he discovers Ella in um, the late thirties, and she's singing with his uh, group. Um, we heard "Hard Hearted Hannah" cut. Uh, for the DECA people in about uh, 1950 or so. And we began from 1938. Billie Holiday, When a Woman Loves a Man. That's right. I was going to say, I sang you that Lucille Bogan, Shave Him Drive, Shave Him Dry from 1935. And you said you had never heard anything like that before. That was Shave Him Dry from 1935. That was a dirty song, man. <laughs> Some filth. That was filthy. Was there a lot of filth going on in the 30s? Yeah, there was. Um, but, uh, you know, generally speaking, well, a lot of it doesn't come to light. Um, a lot of these in the 30s, you got to remember, the 30s was the Depression. And a lot of these guys, like, uh, you know, we played Lonnie Johnson, who, you know, he had his blues career. But, uh, you know, that wasn't enough to sustain him. So he would be doing pop records and he would also be doing risque records. And this was not only true for him, but it was true for a lot of people. For instance, um, the first white man to do the blues was uh, the singing brakeman, um, 
Jimmy Rogers. Jimmy Rogers um, likewise had a clandestine career recording risque records. And Black History Month Part 2 continues next week, right? Because we didn't get to everything. Well, that'd be wonderful. Yes, uh, we've still got a big stack of records here. We're going to play. Now we're going to go to. um, We're going to try to get as much as we can. The very first uh, doo-wop groups. um, Now, the first doo-wop groups uh, started in about 46, 47. And the first two were the Orioles and the Ravens. And uh, because the Orioles and the Ravens had named themselves after birds, uh, the ensuing groups that uh, came in their wake also wanted to name themselves after birds. And, uh, and of course, they did, such as the Flamingos and the Crows and the Blue Jays, etc. But, uh, yeah, okay, so what, what, what are we doing We're hopefully going to jam that in, and we're going to sign off right now. Part two next week, but if we can, maybe some Sister Rosetta Sharp, right? Well, I okay. What do you got listed there? We're going to play uh, Crying in the Chapel by the Orioles from 53. Um, uh, Elvis Presley loved that record. And then we're going to play one of the last, uh, very last Ravens records, uh, a cover of Buddy Holly's That'll Be the Day. And, of course, you got to remember Buddy Holly's record, Started right here in Vancouver, B.C., Canada. Good old uh, Red Robinson making that a hit. And then we're going to play, we're going to end the show with Sister Rosetta Tharp with her partner, um, Marie Knight, uh, who was her partner uh, on stage and between the sheets. And uh, a thing called Look Away in the Heavenly Land from Circa 53. Black History Month continues next week, part two, with special guest DJ. Crazy. And do do loop do 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 You saw me crying in the chapel. The tears I shed were tears of joy I know the meaning of contentment I am happy with the Lord Just a plain and simple chant
troubles to the temple. Get down on your knees and pray. Then your burdens will be lighter. And you'll surely find When I die, oh well, you give me all your love and your turtle dove and all your hugs and kisses and your money too. Oh well, you know you love me, baby, until you tell me maybe that someday we'll have to be the real hell. That'll be the day when you say goodbye. Yes, that'll be the day when you make me cry. You say you're gonna leave. You know it's a lie. When I die Yeah. 